Hey, thank you for clicking on the button. I'm glad you guys are here listening today. Thank you for joining us and us being in your space. Uh, we are in a series right now called God's Name, and today uh, you get a gift. You get Stetson. He is going to be um, talking to us on um, our gracious God. And so stick around afterwards. KJ and I are going to have a little conversation with Stetson. So enjoy. Hey, everybody. I am excited to spend some time with you. Thank you for spending some time with me. So I don't do premarital counseling very often. Uh, in my job, I work mostly with middle school and high school students. And if they wanted to get married, they wouldn't need counseling. They would need an intervention. But sometimes I uh, work with couples who are old enough to get married and should get married. And when I do premarital counseling with them, I make sure they understand what I can provide and what my goals are. I tell them right off the bat that I'm not gonna be able to solve all their problems before they get married. I'm not gonna make them any more compatible. But what I'm gonna do is ask a bunch of questions that really draw the curtains back on each other so that they can see each other clearly and deeply for who they are before they get married. And after we've kind of drawn the curtains back as best as we can and talked about how they're compatible and incompatible and the ways that they agree and disagree, then after all that, they have the opportunity to look at each other and say, even if this person never changes and stays the same, I still want to spend the rest of my life with them. I have seriously loved the series that we're in because it feels a lot like that to me. We've been looking at this passage where God clearly communicates who he is and, and what he's like. And what this has done for me is it's reminded me that even though I may treat him like one, God is not an idea or a concept. He is not what I want him to be. He is not what I decide he is. He is who he is. God is a person. And I don't mean a human being, but I mean an individual, someone who is their own. He even has a name. The best we know to pronounce it is Yahweh. And just like a person or an individual, he has unique character traits that just are what they are. Whether we like it or not, we can't change that and we can't change him. Pastor KJ said it really well a couple weeks ago. He said, God is not an abstract. He is a definitive. And this God who has created us and everything that we see around us has invited us into a relationship with him. He has made a proposal, so to speak. And so we're doing what we should be doing as best as we can. We're pulling the curtains back to see just who this Yahweh is. So today, looking at the passage where God describes himself, we're going to focus on the characteristic of God that might be the easiest to overlook and hardest to see. And yet, for those of us who love God, this is the thing that caused us to fall in love with him. This is the characteristic of God that might be the easiest to accept, but it also might be the most difficult to understand. This is the part of God that most of the time feels like the best part of who he is, but at other times it can be offensive to us. We can even hate him for it. Some have called him evil for it. And it is this, Yahweh is gracious. Let's look at the verse where he speaks for himself. This is Exodus 34, verse six. And anytime we see the, the word Lord in all caps, that's God's name, Yahweh. So here's what it says. 
Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. Let's talk about that. Before we can talk about God's graciousness, we should understand what it means to be gracious. To be gracious is to give good things to someone, not worrying about whether or not they deserve it or not. To be gracious is to be indiscriminately generous. It is to give good things freely without constraint, without worrying about whether or not someone has earned it or deserved it or anything like that. It's just giving good things. If I was walking into a building and I heard someone's footsteps behind me and I opened the door for that person before I turned around to see who it was, I would be being gracious. I didn't take any time to see who it was, whether it was a friend or a stranger, or if there was any reason why I shouldn't open the door for this person. I just did something nice for a person, whether they deserved it or not. I have no idea why I wouldn't open a door for someone, but you get what I mean. But God is so gracious that the only time the word gracious appears in the Bible is only ever to describe God, never one of us as if to imply God is so gracious, there isn't even a point in pretending that we are compared to him. And I believe that's true because God is giving us good things so frequently, so consistently in so many ways. And we are so saturated in this that we take it for granted and we overlook it and we don't even see it unless we're trying to look for it. So let's try and look for it. In James chapter one, verse 17, it says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift, everything good in your life is there because God has graciously given it to you. It's from the father of lights, as in the creator of the sun, which implies even something as small as the sunshine is a gift that God is actively giving us. Jesus says something really similar in Matthew 5, 45. He said this, he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Everything good in your life is a gift from God because he is gracious. Think about everything that is good in your life, even the sunshine, every beautiful sunset, the quiet that comes from the first snow of winter, the sound of wind blowing through the leaves and trees in the middle of summer is a gift from God. It's God being gracious the taste of your favorite food, the smell of bacon, the smell of rain is God being gracious to you. Clean water, a hot shower, a warm bed is a gift. It's God being gracious to you. The feeling of falling in love, the sound of a baby laughing, a good friend is God being gracious. Do you have a full head of hair? Not everyone does. That's a gift. Enjoy it. Do you have a job? Are you in good health? Not everyone is. That is a gift. That is God being gracious. 
I'm assuming you have the ability to either see me or hear me right now. That is a gift. Not everyone can do that. That is God being gracious. You woke up today. Not everyone did. That's not a guarantee. The gift of a new day full of possibilities is a gift that God has given you. It's God being gracious. When we look for it, we see just how gracious God really is to us. And sometimes we experience things in life that really bring this into perspective. For example, last Christmas, uh, the day right after Christmas, my cousin emailed me and the rest of my family. Uh, She has had cancer four times now. And she was looking into why this kept happening to her. And she found out that she has a genetic mutation that makes her more susceptible to cancer. It puts her chances at like 80%. And she emailed me and the family to let us know that this is hereditary and we might have it too. By the way, if you're looking for a good time of year to tell your family that they might have a hereditary disease, Christmas is awesome. It really gets people in the holiday spirit. (laughs) So I sat on this information for a while. And the more I thought about it, the more it started to make sense because my dad's had cancer. His dad died from cancer. My mom died from cancer. Her mom died from cancer. Her mom died from cancer. So I decided to see a geneticist. And I sat down and I spoke with this geneticist. And uh, she looked at my family history and said that we shouldn't just test for the one thing that my cousin has, but we should test all 30 genes that could lead to something like this. And so they drew blood and they told me to wait a couple weeks for the results. During those two weeks, as I contemplated the possibilities of what these results could be, I became very aware of just how many things in life are not a guarantee. And I found myself asking God to be gracious to me, asking him for good health, asking him to let me watch my kids grow up asking him to not let my kids grow up without their father, asking him to take care of my family if I'm not able to. But during those two weeks, what also was happening is I was starting to appreciate the little things in life for what they were, gifts from God. And I found myself also thanking God for being gracious in small things like a good meal, and laughing with my friends, and putting my kids to bed, and waking up every morning. A few weeks ago, I got a phone call. It was time to go in and hear my results. So I went uh, into the cancer wing of the hospital here in Greeley, and I sat in the room and feeling very nervous and uh, feeling pretty certain of the news that I was about to get. And the geneticist walks into the room and she looks at me and she says, I have such good news to share with you. We tested all 30 genes and every single one came back negative. And she said, looking at your family history, you dodged a bullet. Some would call that luck. Some would call that chance. But for the past few weeks, I have been thanking God for being gracious to me. And I've been thinking about this. Even if the results were the opposite, the perspective that I've gained from this experience, I think I still would have been spending the last few weeks thanking God for being gracious to me, for all of the good that is in my life because he has given it to me. Yahweh is so 
gracious in so many ways we can't begin to see it all. But when we look for it, we begin to see a glimpse of how gracious he is. But here's the thing. He is so gracious that some have found it offensive. Let's look again at that verse where Jesus talks about the sun and the rain. Uh, Matthew 5, 45. He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is gracious to everybody. Every good gift is from above, but there is an ISIS executioner who woke up today. Where did that gift come from? There is a sex trafficker who is in perfect health. Where did that gift come from? There is a child abuser who had a good breakfast this morning. Where did that gift come from? God is gracious to the good and the evil, to the just and the unjust. And when we really think about the people that God is gracious to, it can bother us. And if it does, we wouldn't be the first to feel that way. All throughout the Bible, the authors of the Bible wrestled with this reality. Look at Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. What, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? Job 21, 7. Why do the wicked live, reach old age, and grow mighty in power? Malachi 3:15. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Jonah. God asked Jonah to go to the city of Israel's arch nemesis, their worst enemy. These people, they would capture Israelites, brutally murder them, and then mutilate their bodies for public display. Not good people. So Jonah goes to this city called Nineveh. How he gets there is a whole other story. But when he's there, he passes along the message that God gave for him to give. And he tells the people of Nineveh, because of what they've done, God is going to destroy them. But when these people hear this, they actually listen and they repent and they beg God for mercy. And because Yahweh is gracious, he spares them. And when Jonah sees what God did and what God didn't do, here's how he responds. Jonah 4, verse 1 through 3. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, which is a very polite way of translating the Hebrew, which says Jonah found this exceedingly evil. And he was angry. And he said, I knew that you are a gracious God. Therefore now, Yahweh, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah would rather die than continue serving a God as gracious as Yahweh. When we really try to think about the types of people that God is gracious to, it can be hard to understand because it bothers our sense of justice. When we think about certain people and God being gracious to them, part of us cries out, but what about justice? This isn't fair. A lot of us grew up being told that God is made of two things, love and justice. But God's desire for justice outweighs everything else every single time. But before we jump too far ahead to justice, we need to stop and sit in how uncomfortable his graciousness is for a while. For a few reasons. 
For one, we are going to talk about justice in this series. When God describes himself, he brings up justice. It is very much a part of who he is, and it is an important piece of God. So we will get there. But let's look at this passage where God describes himself. And when we read through it, I want you to notice how many characteristics of God are about grace and how many are about justice. Exodus 34, 6 through 8. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. When God describes himself, the characteristics of grace outweigh justice seven to one. If we are trying to pull the curtains back and objectively see who Yahweh is, we cannot overlook this. We cannot ignore it. But another reason why we shouldn't jump to justice too quickly is something that causes us to pause before saying, but what about justice? Is when we think about what that would mean for us. In the very beginning of all things, God created something so good and perfect for us to live in. And he created us, but we walked away from him. And in the space between death entered in and started to spread through creation, ruining it and spreading inside of us and ruining us. And it would not have been unjust for God to let us continue suffering the consequences of what we had put in motion. But Yahweh is gracious. And so Jesus came here as one of us and died in order to break death and rescue us from sin and death. And we did not earn that and we did not deserve that. Scripture makes that so clear. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4 19, we love because he first loved us. We have been saved by grace alone. God is gracious to you, not because you deserve it, but because he loves you. And God is gracious to everyone, not because they deserve it, but because he loves them too. I have two kids. They're three and five years old. And on their worst day, when they haven't napped and they are fighting with each other and pushing each other down and not listening and throwing fits and tantrums, we still feed them dinner. And if their clothes don't fit, we still replace them. They haven't deserved it or earned it, but we love them. So we are gracious to them. And even on their best day, they haven't earned or deserved anything. On their best day, they are sweet, adorable, loving little tyrants who have doubled our grocery budget and they cut our sleep in half and they can't wipe themselves properly. But we love them more than anything. And so my wife and I are gracious to them. 
God is not the laissez-faire parent who just lets his kids do whatever they want, no matter how bad, because he doesn't care and is just randomly giving them good things because why not? He's God. He can do it. God is the father who no matter what his kids do will never stop telling them, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. In every sunrise and every fall of rain, I love you. And every child's laugh and every embrace from a friend, I love you. Every day that you wake up, every breath that you take in, every time your heart beats, I love you. Just take a minute and try to find your pulse right now, either on your wrist or your neck. Do you feel that? I love you, 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 I love you. As moving as God's love and graciousness towards us is, there is still a piece of us that looks around at the terrible things happening around us and calls out, but what about justice? God, what are you going to do about these things? And we ask that as if justice is God's only way of responding to pain and brokenness and sadness and evil and injustice in this world. As if grace and justice are diametrically opposed. As if grace is just letting bad things continue to happen and justice is actually responding to it. But that is so far from the truth. In fact, the way that God responds to pain and brokenness and injustice is most often by being gracious. Because graciousness doesn't just respond to those things. It transforms them. There was a man who lived in the Middle East, and he lived in a country uh, there where he was a religious leader of the country's dominant religion. And in this country, Christianity was not allowed. It, It was hated. It was punishable by death. And this religious leader, he would go around asking people who the Christians were. And when he found out, He would go to their homes unannounced, kick down their door, drag them outside and throw these families into prison where these men and women and children would wait for a brutal and often public execution. Not that unlike the things that we see and read about on the news today. This man, he was traveling to a city in the Middle East to conduct some more of these raids when he was stopped by this blinding white light And he heard Jesus's voice and Jesus said, why are you doing this to me? And the man said, who are you? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus and you're with me now. Go to the city you're headed to and I'll tell you what to do next. That man's name was Paul. And if you're familiar with the Bible, I'm talking about the Paul. You could argue that because of what God did through this man, almost the whole world knows who Jesus is because of him. God used Paul to write more books of the Bible than anybody else. Now, would it have been just for God to strike Paul dead in the middle of the road? I think so. And that would have been the end of it. But instead, he chose to be gracious and recruit him. And grace transformed a murderer of Christians, 
one of God's biggest adversaries into his biggest advocate. Being gracious has power to it. If you have been following Jesus for a long time, are you able to recognize the way that grace has slowly seeped in and began to transform the sadness and pain and hopelessness and darkness inside of you? Do you recognize how powerful grace has been in your life? Yahweh is gracious. He is indiscriminately generous to everyone because he loves everyone indiscriminately. And by being gracious, he's not turning a blind eye away from pain and brokenness and evil and injustice. He is responding to it. Grace is his response to those things because it doesn't just respond, but it transforms them. And he teaches us to do the same thing. Do you remember that verse where Jesus is talking about God sending his son and his reign to everybody? I want to look at that again, but I want to show you the full context that this verse is in. It's Matthew 5, 44 through 48. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Graciousness is such a dominant trait of who God is that the primary indicator that we are his children is that we are gracious too, to everyone, even our enemies. God invites us to join him in transforming the pain and brokenness and darkness and death and evil and injustice in this world by doing what he does, by being gracious. And if we ever doubt that that is enough to, to respond to these things, in the last verse of that passage, verse 48, Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. That word perfect means complete or whole, as if to say being gracious is doing the entire job. Graciousness is powerful enough. There are some who feel that being gracious towards others is just ignoring the problem and letting bad things continue to happen. But I would argue if we sit around and do nothing waiting for God's justice to come, we are letting bad things continue to happen. But if we are gracious, we are responding to it. We are transforming it. And it is an incredibly powerful response. When we see injustice occurring, when we see people hurting other people, I would argue every time someone is hurting another person, it is because they are hurting inside themselves. So can you see how being gracious to that person gets to the root of where that injustice is coming from? Do you see how it soothes their suffering and their own pain? If there is a marriage or a relationship where the two people are fighting and there's a lot of conflict and it's just having a really hard time, 
what could change? What could transform if one of them decided to be gracious? If one of them decided to just randomly do nice things for the other person, to encourage the other person, to tell the other person the things that they love about them, the reasons why they fell in love with them, or they just held their hand from time to time, what could begin to transform? Are you fighting with your parents? Parents, are you fighting with your kids? What would happen if one of you chose to start being gracious to the other and just did a kind thing for the other person randomly? What would happen uh, if you're fighting with your parents and out of nowhere you just told them that you appreciated all the things that they've done for you? Parents, what could begin to change if you told your child all the things that you love about them, the good things that you see in them, instead of all the things that they're doing wrong? Do you work in a toxic work environment? What could happen if one person in your workplace just began being gracious to other people? How could that begin to change and transform things? A while back, Pastor Nathan, he told this story about this woman whose son was murdered and she went to visit her son's killer in prison and she forgave him. But then she continued to spend time with him and continued to love him and care about him. And after a while, this woman became the mother that that man never had. Grace transformed a murder into an adoption. And if a murder being transformed into an adoption doesn't sound familiar, think about it. You'll figure it out. Graciousness is powerful. Sometimes people who are hurting, they're not hurting other people. They're just hurting inside. And graciousness is an incredibly powerful response to that too. A family trapped in poverty being given a home. Someone who hasn't eaten in days being given a meal. That doesn't just meet their needs, but it gives them hope. It transforms their perspective on their life and reality and everything. Someone could be having the worst day of their life and not even know it. And you don't even know it. But one kind word, one kind gesture can transform the worst day they've had in a long time into the best day that they've had in a long time. Someone without anyone knowing could be overwhelmed with such dark thoughts that they might be considering just ending everything. You can literally save a life by telling someone that you've been thinking about them today or that they look nice today. Being gracious has a power to it. When I went in for that first genetics appointment after my cousin's email, I didn't realize how scared I was until I walked into the cancer wing of the hospital. And when I sat in that room talking to this geneticist, she responded to me with so much graciousness. I was in a fragile place I don't know if she recognized that or not, but she treated me like I would expect a close friend or a family member to treat me, but not her. She treated me with love and kindness and patience and grace, and she comforted me and she encouraged me. I came in afraid, and she responded to that fear with grace, and grace transformed my fear of death into hope and I hadn't even learned the results of the test yet. Being gracious is powerful. When we are gracious, 
We are joining God in transforming the pain and brokenness and sadness and evil and injustice and darkness and death in this world. Yahweh is gracious. He is indiscriminately generous to everyone because he loves everyone indiscriminately. And he is gracious because it is powerful. It transforms pain and darkness and evil and injustice. And he teaches us to do the same because this is what the children of Yahweh do. So please be gracious to yourself. God already is. He loves you. And please be gracious to others. God already is. And he loves them too. Let's pray. In this posture of prayer, I think we should start by doing something that we probably don't do often enough. I just want to give us a short moment to try and think of all the good in our life that we can. So just take a moment and try to notice everything good in your life big or small. now for those few things that you just thought of, let's take a moment and thank God for being gracious, for giving you those good things, because that's where they came from. Go ahead and take a moment and do that right now. So still in this posture of prayer, I want to ask a few questions for you to think about, but let's just invite God into these questions too, so we can process them together with him. So as you think about these things, try to make space and, and listen for how God responds to them too. So the first question is this, is there someone that you know in your life that is hurting right now? What could it look like for you to be gracious to them? What could potentially be transformed by you doing that? Another question is this, who is your enemy right now? Who is working actively against you? Or who are you in conflict with? 
What would it look like if you stopped trying to win and started trying to be gracious towards them? What could be transformed by that? What is happening in this broken world that causes you to cry out to God to respond? You might not be able to, but can you spot ways that God is responding by being gracious? And if so, is it possible that he is inviting you to join him in doing that too? Father, thank you for being gracious towards us beyond our capacity to even be aware of. Even when we look for it, I'm sure that's just scratching the surface. Thank you for being so good to us. Would you help us to keep that in mind as you call us to be gracious towards others, knowing the same way you love us is how you love them. So Father, Help us to appreciate how gracious you are. We thank you for it now. And teach us to be more gracious towards the people that you love. We love you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hello, everyone. It is time to talk about this sermon and all the fantastic things that have been said and some of the horrible things that I don't agree with. <laughs> good. Let's start good. with what we don't agree we, with. We all need balance in our life. You are wrong. That's great. I fully embrace that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, you're just going to leave. You're yeah. not even going to say yeah. why. Like, you were wrong. That takes all the fun yeah. out of I it. I think that, that would be a great a great um, moment to just get up and walk away and leave you here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Have a conversation with yourself. Uh, that's not going to happen. No, I'm glad you guys are here. How are you feeling about this message? Good. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal. Oh, thanks. I, All right. Wh- what, what do you disagree with? No, no I, <laughs> I don't disagree. I think... Um, and it's great if you do. I don't care. You were wrong. No. no. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about it. So I, I think that you did a sermon on, on God's grace, but, but it being a defining characteristic mm-hmm. of him. And for p- people who have grown up going to church, have heard God's grace talked about a billion times. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like from this sermon, I've heard it a single time. Like that is the first sermon I've heard on God's grace. Wow. And it caused, uh, I was so excited um, towards the end to participate and to talk to God about it. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, so who are you again? Like, Mm -hmm. show me who you are again, Mm -hmm. because that whole aspect, I understood that God can hand people grace. It's like, here you go. I forgive you. Right. Mm -hmm. But he is grace. Yes. We're constantly saturated in it. Yes. And to experience God is to experience, experience they're not separate and there's something and and so then I go into this spot of is everything God's grace Mm. everything that's good and is it possible that the things that people perceive are bad Mm. could also be God's grace Mm. okay there we go. I'm putting that oh on the table. Oh my gosh, that's such messy territory. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like uh, a family member dying in a car accident. Is that? I, uh, oh, like, I know. That's where I go to. Jumping ahead. Okay. okay. Far. I'm gonna okay. Back to take a, a very yeah. s- simple thing. Okay. Back All right. So in the book of Proverbs, it talks mm-hmm. about like you spare the rod, you spoil your chub. Right. And so. So a father who's punishing their child, that is seen, seen as a form of grace because it's not spoiling, yeah. spoiling your child. So that's, that's true. a baby step, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then I think about how in the early, early church, church. Mm-hmm. How, how different people have been persecuted for their faith, their being tortured mm-hmm. and so, so so in the times that I'm talking about like polycarp who he is being burnt yep. and as he's burning he's singing hymns thanking God yep. for the ability to be persecuted yep. and he saw that as being God's grace as a yeah. gift for him um, baby I'm, steps baby yeah. steps <laughs> <laughs> and, but I think it's because then it begins to to kind of turn the corner from. Yep. So if p- positive things happen, that's yep. God's grace. Right. Right. So if bad things happen that I perceive them to be bad, then that's something else. That's the absence of then God. Then we pray that's for God. My, we pray that, for God's grace to enter into that. But it, and he's going. It already has. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, just toss Man. it out there. Man, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, not because it's so out there, but because it's like a really good thing to think about. I mean, like you think about Polycarp, like explain I, that. I don't know what that is. It's a man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a man. Um, <laughs> okay. But hit the pause button. Okay. Pull up Polycarp and how he Polycarp. Died. Okay. Polycarp. Yeah. Okay. And it is the most inspirational story. Mm. Okay. In the. On the planet. Okay. But the average person hasn't heard of Polycarp. Uh, yeah. yeah. So hit the pause button. Yeah. Go do that right now. It'll be great. Okay. But, but anyone being 
martyred like in that experience. Mm. I don't I I would hope I would have this perspective, but I doubt that I would. Just acknowledging it's like the fact that I got even this far compared to what I deserved or where I was already headed. Like this this trajectory is gracious compared to the alternative. Yeah. Um I don't know. That's that's a messy territory, man. <laughs> For sure. But I think you bring up something really good there. It's like, I think it's important for us to view the good as evidence of God's graciousness and not try to find the things that we don't have as evidence of him not being gracious right. with us. Um, and, I, and I don't mean that in like a, we need to have a good attitude kind of way or you need to check your heart or anything like that. <laughs> but if we go down the road of like, well, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, what is God doing to me? Mm. Ooh, but, you know, like thinking about the broader culture, there's this culture of entitlement. Mm -hmm. I deserve these things, and if I don't have these things, I'm being... Absolutely. Exactly, yes. and, and And to like think back in, uh, I don't know, like back in time, sure. how how people the idea of saying God's grace before people eat, it's thanking God that there's food on food the on table, exactly. and the fact that there's food on the table is the proof that God had mm. grace towards them because mm-hmm. they have food to eat. Yeah, um, but today it's like that's well, our ex, ex, there should be food, right. and if Boom. there isn't breakfast. <laughs> if there's a pop tart, <laughs> where are you? What have I done? What are- that is our worker culture. Our work right. culture, right? Yeah. This like I work, therefore I gain. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if I'm not gaining, but I'm working, then where is the where is this grace? And it seems that that vocabulary is the opposite right. of the Sabbath vocabulary. Yep. I mean, just and our goal as as the body of Christ is to embrace this pattern of habitual Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and it exposes one of the reasons why we can enter the Sabbath in peace is because we're already saturated in God's graciousness. Mm. Yes, that's really cool. Yeah. How often do we do that, though? Not often. You probably do a great job. No. <laughs> You're more intentional, I guarantee that. Uh, 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 all right. I had this thought, too, um, about the idea of God's grace and being a God of gracious. And, yes, and then Pastor Allen talked about he is a compassionate uh-huh. God, mm-hmm. and that's a characteristic. But... Mm-hmm. But it's like who he is. And then the sermon I did, I kind of picked apart this idea of he had done the things he has done. Mm -hmm. He is who he is and he will do the things he will do. Mm -hmm. And then he goes and defines the things he will do Mm -hmm. by compassion Mm -hmm. and being gracious. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that idea of being gracious and God can 
do anything that he, he has a desire to do, how do those things hold hands as far as our idea of the kingdom, how to evangelize, mm -hmm. who is who has accepted, who hasn't, um, compassion, who are God's kids, mm -hmm. and how do I participate? Mm. <laughs> I'll go to the end of his message because I think he did such a good job of like, this is like what we are called to do, to be like, you know, mm. and yeah, I think, I think you did a fantastic phenomenal job of being like because he is this we are also called to be this yeah. and that is where you know the vein we are supposed to be wanting longing to go into mm -hmm. and then when we do we experience more I also I will say I like um, the illustration you did what really helped me just change perspective on when you talked about we've heard about grace we've heard about grace you know because you do if you grow up in the church just what you hear about it is it, it's a it's a language mm. rather than an experience at times I would say and I think when you talked about <laughs> your kids and like yeah. they do nothing like, <laughs> they don't. You know, like, <laughs> I love the I love the honesty in that but it's so true but yet we love them and we mm -hmm. do so, you know, we yeah. do it and we continue to do it, you know, and I look at, you know, <laughs> my parents now, they still continue to pour into me and to provide and, you know, yep. be what I need them to be. And I'm, I do nothing for yeah. them yeah. still, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I just, as, as a child and then also as a parent seeing me, I'm like, gosh, that is, that illustration was just extremely helpful to be like that. That is grace, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I want to <laughs> chime in here also, great, okay. because I, I heard a sermon ahead of time, yep. so I've had the opportunity to be at home and yep. be a parent, and and so <laughs> the other day, uh, this I was serving them pepperoni pizza. At the, I'm such a fan of pepperoni pizza. <laughs> great. We are too. I love yeah. that you're like, I'm serving you pepperoni. It's I, I hand tossed the pizza dough. <laughs> you did wow. it. Okay. So I did serve Got them. It. I don't I didn't Wasn't buy it. Domino's. That's incredible. Yeah, okay. okay. So anyway, mm, that's beside you. <laughs> I'm gonna serve my children <laughs> right. tonight. I'm still giving but, them frozen pizza. <laughs> but the two of them had been like talking about school and then they got into a fight, mm -hmm. and then the the daughter I have you know, kind of just like is going crazy. Mm -hmm. And the the son, he 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 got calm and he said, "Dad, it's time to punish her, punish <gasps> her, dad." <laughs> and, and he like separated himself from Justice. her. Justice. And she's like boiling. And, oh man. And he's like, "Dad," and I, I, and the thing I did, and I, I didn't even think about it until this point. I said. The pepperoni pizza I made is fantastic. <laughs> I, I gave it to the both of them. You both have received. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, it was oh, just like. Oh, that's so cool. That's yeah, it's perfect. that whole idea. It was like, oh, here's the Taliban. <laughs> I just served the Taliban pizza. <laughs>
yeah. yeah. No, that's so good. That's really cool. Uh, something interesting. You, you brought up compassion and graciousness. The word gracious shows up in the Bible 13 times. The word compassion shows up in the Bible 13 times. Mm-hmm. And 11 out of the 13, they're side by side together. That's beautiful. So there's an intimate relationship between wow. compassion and graciousness there that needs to be explored. They do hold hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like they, they are almost always exclusively together. Okay. Someone hit the pause button. And <laughs> Google. Yeah. Just <laughs> Google that and f- figure that out. Yeah. Because there's that. something in that. Circle that. Uh-huh. I haven't heard that It would be interesting to go in and look at those passages and how they interconnect mm-hmm. even story-wise. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Man. Why didn't you put that in your message? I don't know. Couldn't fit it all in. Because it ended with, isn't that neat? (laughs) All right, on to the next point. (laughs) about compassion and grace. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, to KJ's point, I just feel like it would take me down a whole trajectory. Mm -hmm. That that would be really cool. That would be a great season, Mm -hmm. too. Yep. Yeah, it is cool that part that had been picked apart a bit about how God perceives the characteristics of it, or, or how people perceive characters right. as being this God of judgment, but mm-hmm. then how it's like, hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, here's the defining characteristics mm-hmm. and the fault, like, his body should have the same defining characteristics. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to think, like, the characteristics that you uphold it shows the god that you actually follow absolutely and so is it possible that people are following some uh, uh, other god sure this Defined by things by that are not biblical at all. Defined by culture, defined by yes. perception. Mm-hmm. And coming to a place of like, wait a second, I don't even think I follow God as defined by Jesus, Jesus. 100%. Wow. I follow God defined by culture mm-hmm. and perception, mm-hmm. and He doesn't even exist. Oof. And need. And need, yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> That's why this is so important to be going through. Like, right. oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah, I love this series. I do too. It's so good. Very good. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. That's probably it. Yeah. There's a ton of things to You've go and You've got a lot of Googling to, to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Bye.